Welcome to Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace, brought to you by The Standard. Everyone within a team has unique needs. Employers today offer such a myriad of tools and resources that for an employee, Knowing everything at their disposal and where to go to access those resources can be a challenge in and of itself. Take John, for example. After experiencing the same past couple of years many of you listening have experienced, a once-in-a-century pandemic, geopolitical turmoil, and rising inflation, many issues have been weighing heavily on John's mind. These concerns have placed a spotlight not only on his performance at work, but also his well-being at home. Today, it's vital for employers to view health holistically and understand the connection between employee wellness and behavioral health. And while there's no one-size-fits-all approach to workplace accommodations, it's also critical that HR professionals and managers help employees know where to find available resources or seek help when they need it. Welcome to the fourth episode of Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace, brought to you by The Standard. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and joining me today is The Standard Senior Workplace Possibilities Director, Brenda Smith, and Manager of Disability Management Resources, Deborah Villar. Today, we explore the tie between wellness and behavioral health, how to help employees access available benefits resources, and how to create positive feedback loops to stay up to date on your employees' needs. It's so good to talk to you again. It was a while ago that we spoke, and the world has sort of changed so much since last time. I think now it seems like there's a much bigger focus on mental health being healthy, not just mentally, but physically, emotionally healthy as well. It's important to every single one of us, whether we're living with a mental illness or not. And we all know that mental health issues have been on the rise since the start of the pandemic and continue to be so. So I want to set the stage a little bit for today's episode by going over some of the findings of the Standards Behavioral Health Impact Study. So let's go over some of those findings. What did this study tell us about the prevalence of mental health issues? Yes, Carolyn, thank you for that kickoff. And Deb, I'll get started and you can add color to this piece. But there was a lot of interesting pieces that came out of it. Honestly, I wasn't that surprised about some of that, but let's just get grounded here. So nearly half of American workers are suffering from mental health issues right now. And that is up significantly pre-pandemic, about 39% up pre-pandemic. So that's one of the statistics that we should definitely talk about here, too. And not only that, it's affecting them at work. So it's not just something that they're dealing with after hours. Mental health issues strike at all hours of the day. And so one of the things that we found, too, was that 65% of employees said that they were losing about 10 hours of productivity a week due to their mental health issues. So This is something that people are struggling with, not just at home, like I said, but also at work too. Deb, what would you add? No, I I would agree. And I think it's only going to continue to rise. You know, I think in the industry that we're in, we have definitely seen an uptick in 
in claims that are coming our way and a, a severe, significant increase of mental health claims that we are reviewing at this time. What do you guys think is causing this? And I know that seems like kind of a silly question because mental health is something we've been talking about, like you said, since the beginning of the pandemic. But what in particular would you say is leading? Is it financial worries? Is it something else that we're unaware of? Honestly, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think these last couple of years with COVID and just the pandemic and people are just dealing with things that we've never could have even imagined. And now as maybe those numbers are starting to settle a little bit, you know, the that constant go in motion, like I have to kind of get through this, that mentality, I think people are tired. And I think from my standpoint and what I see within the state of my employees, I think they're just fatigued. I think they're just tired and it's just starting to settle in. So maybe where they weren't recognizing the impact of their overall mental health initially, I think a lot of people are starting to really get in touch with that now, and they're really feeling the impact of it now. Yes, I agree. And I I think, too, that there's just new things that keep coming at them. We can talk about inflation concerns, for example, gas prices. Even my daughter said to me the other day, Mom, you see the price of gas? And she's, you know, 18, and she's concerned about it. So all these things combined just make it really hard for people to really move forward. So I feel like a lot of people are also stuck they're tired and they can't Mm -hmm. quite see the way out. I'm hopeful that part of what we're just seeing here too is more of a a normalcy, meaning people are more willing to talk about their situation and discuss it. I'm hopeful. I feel like that's happening. And some of the studies initially are showing us that, but there's just a lot still going on, Carolyn. Do you feel like it's generational? Do you see a difference in the claims that you receive millennial versus, let's say, baby boomers versus Gen Z. Is there a difference generationally? Well, let's go back to the statistics a little bit here. We did find that it is generational and that 59% of millennials and 71% of Gen Z workers are reporting mental health issues now. And that, I think, is a significant concern around our younger workforce, which, of course, they're coming up through the workforce. It's hitting everyone, but especially our youngest workers. It's got to be so hard for you guys. This is your job, right? Like, this is what you do for a living. But there's still that human aspect when you see those claims come across or you hear the stories. It still has to kind of tug at your heartstrings a little bit just as a human being. Absolutely. It's it's uh, how can you not? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in the industry in general, we're dealing with people that are at a very vulnerable state in their lives, you know, to file mm-hmm. for disability means that there's clearly something significant going on in their in their life right now that's, you know, impeding their ability to function on a normal basis, you know. So, and then you add these other elements on top of that. Yeah, it's it's very hard. Some of their stories are profound. So, when we are able to support someone, when we are able to identify resources or just assist in any way or even just to be a listening ear, That's helpful. That's helpful to get through these times. Yes, I would say, too, the other thing to think about is that it's not just about the behavioral health condition. Oftentimes we see that when there's a a physical disability, that also triggers a behavioral health condition as well. So someone is away from work. They're not making the money that they did before. And now they're worried about how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to get back into that workforce? How am I going to be perceived? And it can trigger anxiety, depression, and other items. So these things just get compounded. 
And so we do mm-hmm. see a lot of it. And yes, it, it does tug on your heartstrings. Yeah. And I also think about the fact that with so many people, you heard stories about people saying the pandemic has changed the workforce in the sense that I don't have to do this job anymore that I didn't love. I can get a new job or I can do a hybrid schedule. And while that all sounds good on paper, when you actually make that happen, there are stresses of like the sort of ramp up with a new job or a new schedule or you're working from home all the time. So I think while it sounds good in theory, there are certainly probably more cases than we're aware of where that also contributes to the mental health stresses as well. A hundred percent. I know when we went virtual, the chatter was really, how are we going to do this? How can we sustain this? I want to go back into the office. And then over time, that conversation really shifted a lot. People started to get used to being at home, adapting to this new schedule, creating a routine for themselves. And now they're seeing a little bit of a better balance, but it takes a lot of discipline to work from home on a consistent basis. And that in and of itself there's a lot of self-awareness that has to happen. So if you have a condition on top of that and really just trying to figure out, all right, how do I make this work? Yeah, that's very stressful. Yeah, And some people excel in this environment and it has brought out some really, you know, truly magnificent skill sets, whereas others have struggled with it and have become a little bit more isolated. So it's it's not a one-size-fits-all for everybody. Mm-hmm. Thinking about in the work area too, when you're working, I'm thinking about the managers as you you guys are talking about that, because the statistic is that 4.5 million workers quit their jobs in March. And I think that has a lot to do with this COVID, right? Causing people to think about how do I want to work? Is this job serving me? And they've proven to themselves that they can do other types of things, right? They want to use mm-hmm. their time other ways. And so you're seeing people leave. Well, if I'm thinking about HR or managers out there, Now they're dealing with people leaving. So not only are they dealing with their own mental health and their own well-being, now they are having to replace people and hire and train and do things that maybe they weren't anticipating. And so, again, it's just it's a really hard time right now with so many things on people's plates. I'm so glad you brought that up, Brenda, because we always think about the employees, meaning the us's of the world. We don't think about the management of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so managers, you're right, are struggling just as much as their employees are struggling. They just, it's sort of like being the parent, right? You have to be the stronger one for the the good of your team, but it's also hard. And I know you guys are managers, so that's got to be really hard for you to kind of wear both hats. You've got your own issues as the employees, but then to be a manager of a team, you need to stay strong for them. So that's sort of an added layer of of stress for you. Indeed it is. <laughs> I call it, I call it the dance, you know, it's like this little tricky dance, right? Try, again, that, that word balance to me is so significant because it just resonates in every aspect of what we're doing, whether it's home or work or both. And mm-hmm. finding enough within ourselves to be able to give to our team members, to support them and provide them with the resources and reinforce the self-care that they need to do for themselves But Mm -hmm. in addition to that, making sure that we're also doing, you know, being role models of what that even looks like, because taking care of yourselves. Yeah, 100 percent. They're not going to do it if we're not going to do it as well, too. So Mm -hmm. if we're burning the midnight oil, then they're going to feel like this level of guilt that they need to do that as well. And that's not the case. That should not be the case. So it is a tricky dance. (laughs) Such a good point. What did this study tell us about? awareness of employee benefits for behavioral health issues? 
talking specifically about Generation Z, how did they fall into this? Yeah, so Gen Z really, many avoid treatment because they're concerned about how it's going to impact their work. But I think another big issue is I just don't know where to go to get help. I know as a manager, it's really important for me to stay up to date on what benefits we have available, where can we point people, and being also able to identify when someone might need help. And so I think that's a big thing to consider, regardless of what generation you're talking about. But Mm -hmm. especially for our our younger folks, I think it's extremely hard for them to, to identify where to go to get help and to take action on that. Yeah, I would agree. I think visibility is really key. As far as, you know, where to find resources, I I think when we're talking about employee benefits, I think we have such an opportunity to improve upon how we can find them, you know, how we can access them is what the word I was looking for. Because I think that there's so much communication has come out over the last couple of years that some of these really good things that are happening in the employee benefit realm was not as visible as it probably could have been. That has to be such a hard line for managers to walk when you see employees and you suspect maybe they're struggling, but it's not your business to get involved, but you genuinely care as a manager. I mean, that's got to be very tough. Yes. I, you know, the the thing that I always tell managers when I talk with them is that we're not mental health counselors. That's not the role. So don't feel like you have to take that on. Really, what we're there to do is to point people to the right direction and to establish rapport with them to be able to do that. So what I mean by that is have regular one-on-ones with your folks, get to know them so that when something happens, you can see a change in behavior. You know, you know, Mm -hmm. this is not like, you know, Brenda, to do this. What's going on here? And be able to have those questions around, how are you doing? Are you okay? What's happening? And keep it at that level. You're not here to solve and be a counselor, but then you can point them toward, say, an EAP program or any other type of well-being programs that you have. Or if you're unsure, just say, I know we have a lot. You need to talk to our HR department. There's a lot of good stuff out there. And then follow up with them to make sure they've actually taken action on it. I think at that point, you've done what you can. You've pointed them in the right direction. That's my thought on that. I also think that Again, going back to role modeling the behavior, I think it's important when a manager can share a little bit of vulnerability. I'm not going to air out all my dirty laundry, but I'm not having a great day either. And you know what? That's okay, right? We're human and there are going to be days where we're just thriving and there are some days where we're just surviving and it's okay. We can make this work and we can turn it around. So if if my employee can trust that I'm going to just be my authentic, genuine self with them, I would hope that they would also start to feel that level of comfort to be able to just say, hey, I need to talk to you. Why do you think it is that employees are unaware of these resources, EAP and other benefit programs that would help them out? Where is the gap there? You know, I've seen it where my employees are having such a terrible day. They are so stressed out. Mm -hmm. So even though they might know on a good day that I've got this and this available to me, they just are not thinking straight. So that's why I think the manager plays a really critical role here. But the other thing is I've seen a lot of companies do, and we don't put our EAP resource, which is one of the most primary things I feel we can do right away to help someone out. It's buried among several links within the HR site. And so 
How do I go get it? And now I've clicked twice. Now I'm frustrated and now I'm stressed out and I can't cope with this. So Mm -hmm. I think accessibility, I mean, I wish there was a big fat red button on our landing page that just said, need help, not feeling well, click this button and here you go. But it doesn't seem to work that way. (sighs) But I think it's literally that, that, that simple. It's just access and knowing and repeating that message. I think you're right, though. I think it can get overwhelming for employees, whether it's emails that you receive in your inbox where you've already got a ton of other emails or you do go to a company website. We've all done it. And you get kind of just lost in the shuffle. And finally, you just either say, I'll try to get another day or I just give up. Right. And that's unfortunate also. I also think that just to piggyback on what Brenda has said, stripping it back down to the foundation and the basics, you know, just Mm -hmm. keeping it as simple and as streamlined as can be. I mean, today it's everything that you do, whether it's a customer service type of a call, it's press one, go to this, press two, listen to the next message. And nobody wants to deal with that. And especially when you're not in a good headspace to make those decisions or even have the patience to work through all of those different steps this is something where we can definitely do something about and make it a lot easier. And for the managers as well, too, tell me, you know, walk me through it. Let me know all Mm -hmm. the steps so that way I can navigate my employee if they're just not capable or don't have the threshold to be able to tolerate it right now. Let me be the one to guide them. I mean, and that also seems like something that would be, to your point earlier of us talking about, you know, managers are people too. You guys have the same issues that we as employees have. So streamlining that process and educating the managers might make it a little bit easier for the employees. But since we're on this topic, what are some things that HR professionals and managers can do to help their employees? Well, I think Deb's got a really good point there. Keep it simple. You know, I keep a list very close by of all the benefits that I think are critical for us. So in our Mm -hmm. case, that's wellness days and reminding people, like sometimes people will say to me, hey, Brenda, I want to take a day off tomorrow. And I'll say, okay, great. You know, understand. Is this having to do with wellness? Don't forget you have those wellness days you can use. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I forgot about that. It's just that simple. So having that handy and just being aware of yourself is really good. And if you're in the middle of a conversation and you think, I know there's something, you can also just get back to your employee too. You don't have to solve yeah. it right there and then. So I think keeping yeah. it simple is really helpful. The other thing I would say is that for HR folks, don't forget that you have to say things multiple times for people to remember, especially now when we're dealing with turnover and new employees coming on board just repeating what's available. It may be repetitive to you, but it's really important. Like these are things that people need to know about. It's kind of like that thing where you know you have it, but you're not going to need it. So why pay attention until now you need it and you wish you would have paid more attention, right? So a lot of it's timing. So, So someone might be struggling and now they get that email from HR that says, oh, hey, don't forget about these benefits. Oh gosh, I did forget about that. So regular, consistent communication, keeping things simple, and just being ready in those conversations are the things that leap to my mind about this. Yeah, the only other thing that I would add is, you know, so many companies now are, because they're virtual and they're remote, they've been able to hire nationally. So we have an East Coast and a West Coast. I'm just going to use our group as an example. And sometimes if HR is on the West Coast, then that means anybody who's working on the East Coast has to wait a significant amount of time to even connect with somebody. That could be a simple fix, you know, having to balance out what your HR looks like. So that way there are resources readily available for those that do work on another coast and they don't have to wait. Something as simple as that could minimize quite a bit of stress. 
And just even Brenda saying, remind your employees that you have these these days they can take off, like for mental health days or, I mean, I don't remember the last time at any job I've had that a manager came to me and said, remember, you have mental health days or you have wellness days that you can take or remember you have these resources. And even hearing you, both of you, remind me of this that or even speak those words about a manager should be reminding you that you've got these days or take advantage of this benefit. Like what a different world that would be if that happened everywhere. That's amazing. It's smallest little things like that. I want to say that, you know, our company really did us a great service by adding that benefit because it's it was so well received and it's so much appreciated. Mm-hmm. And for an employee just to be able to take the day because just because they need the day, not because of anything else other than they just need that day. That's a big step mm-hmm. in the right direction. So I'm really yeah. proud of that. And the fact that we are able to encourage, you know, that usage of self-care. I'd like to reinforce too flexibility still being very pertinent in the environment that we're in right now. Because we do, like Deb pointed out, we work nationally. I have people on my team from East Coast to West Coast. And so there's people working all hours, literally, of the day and night. And mm-hmm. being able to have that flexibility as they're coping with things at home, dealing with the stresses of everyday life, that has been still so important for my team and others that I've talked to that I think we need to not lose sight of that. You asked what HR can do. I think encouraging that flexibility whenever possible. I know it's not possible for every job in every industry, but where Mm -hmm. you can provide that flexibility, it's going to go a really long way with your employees. Well said. Yeah. How do you think employees and employers can get the most out of those programs and address everybody's sort of unique needs, if you will, because everybody's got their own individual needs. So how does that work best for everybody? I had a couple of thoughts on that when you asked that question, and then I'll pass it over to Deb. So yeah. I feel like HR sometimes tries to be everything to everybody, and that's mm. not possible. But also, you need to stay relevant and current to what's going on right now with your employees. I am a huge proponent of Pulse Surveys where you're sending out a survey in order to gain information from your employees about what are they facing right now? What do they need in order to be successful in their job? What benefits are most important to them and which ones are not? And so that's going to change over time. So I think having a feedback mechanism where you can hear from your employees directly and your managers, maybe even as a separate survey to hear from them as well, to ensure that the benefits you actually have in place are being utilized and are actually valued by your employees. I don't really have much more to add to that. I mean, I I think the feedback loop is really, really significant because we're the ones using, you know, the resources. So we're the ones that can really give you what our experience has been like. When we talk about how employers can get the most out of their programs, I'm going to go back to the term visibility and simplicity because And here's an example. We have a couple of benefits within our package, such as EAP, which is Employee Assistance Program. We also have a health advocate. And then we also have a third that deals with wellness as well, too. Part of the mystery is how do they all work together? What makes them stand alone? You know, because that's really important, too. If you're going to utilize these benefits, you want to know, do they work in conjunction with each other? Are they completely separate benefits? What are the takeaways? You know, what are going to be the hiccups? And I use the example of if you establish care, you know, if somebody is in need of a therapist and they establish care under one of these umbrellas, 
are they able to have continuity of care with this other piece of it as well too? Or do they have to reestablish a new relationship with a therapist? That's challenging and that's stressful. So that continuity of care, knowing how they will blend together, do they complement each other? You know, things like that, just to simplify the need and the use and the reward of it, I think would be really, really helpful for all employees. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear you say that. I mean, even getting a new therapist is stressful. And that's not even work. You know, that's not even your job. That's just like your everyday life. I mean, and that's huge, right? So you take that and then you add work and family and everything else on top of it. And it just becomes, you know, everybody's got a stressful life in their own way. And that kind of leads me into my next question, which is how important is maintaining those open lines of communication? I mean, it seems like a blanket question, but it's got to be critical, yeah? Absolutely. It's very critical. And I think it's easy, especially when a manager is stressed out, to just make the assumption that everything's fine. Everything's fine. Do I need to put effort here? You know, we've been been talking about this stuff forever. No, (laughs) you got to keep it going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I like how Deb said, you know, own your own situation. So there's times, for example, when I've had one-on-ones with my employees and I'll just say, you know, I'm having a rough day right now. So if you're seeing something in my demeanor or my face, it has nothing to do with you. Please don't take it personally. I'm just struggling a little bit today. So just being honest with that and just having that constant communication, it's just like any relationship that you have. It's just really important to be honest and open about what's happening as much as possible. So I think it's very critical, especially at this time that we're at. Yeah, I agree. And I also think it's funny when we talk about, you know, the the great resignation, a lot of that is in part because of relationships and just how employees do not feel valued or appreciated in their workforce. There's a lot of conversation about that. I think needs and priorities have shifted and changed. So that communication is so valuable. It's either one or the other. People stay because of the people that they work with or they leave because of the people that they work with or the manager that they report to. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as minimal communication and good communication, being a good listener, just hearing what they have to say, but also being vulnerable, you know, and and being real with them. They want to know we're human because we are. So Mm -hmm. any other scenario just doesn't seem authentic. So for managers that are listening to this podcast and You know, we've touched on it a little, but I want to straight up ask you guys, if they want to open these lines of communication with their employees about mental health, how do they do it in the right way? I think it starts with a simple, again, the question, you know, how are you doing, right? That's just a very simple question in how are you doing? Like, tell me how you're really doing. You know, because I know there's a lot going on. What's happening? You know, is there anything that I can do to better support you? I try to ask that question with every one-on-one that I have with my folks because from month to month, situations change, new things arise. So it's it's a question that doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. It's a question that should probably just be consistent. You know, is what's on your plate and are you navigating it well? Do you need more support? What can I do for you? you know, at this Mm -hmm. point. And I think when we first started asking those questions, I know with my team, they were kind of like, oh, okay, you know, well, and they just jumped right in it. Um, And others, I think it took them a little bit to just kind of say, well, this is really what I need, you know, and that's okay. But Mm -hmm. I think the consistency, you know, good communication, being consistent about it and genuinely showing your folks that you care, I think over time that will, that will evolve, 
you know, that relationship. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, as you ask this question, I really put on my own hat as a manager. And I think there's a continuum here in terms of this conversation. So we talked about the importance of rapport. I mean, you're not going to start a new relationship with someone and just say, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you feeling anxiety? Right. Like what's happening? <laughs> you're yeah, not yeah, going yeah. to do that. So, so you're going to start with just looking at them as a whole person. So I'm not going into a conversation thinking, oh, I need to ask about their mental health right now. No, sure. I'm asking, how are you doing? And so when you first start to work with someone, you get things around maybe some of their family things or some of the things like that. And I can a lot of times segue that into, oh, that must be a very stressful situation for you. How are you feeling with the stress right now? What's your balance like? Those are the kind of questions that I ask. Some t- and, and the thing of it is, they have to be willing to talk to you about it too. So mm-hmm. that's why Deb's point about consistency is really important so that you don't show up once a year and check off your list that, oh, I've had that conversation with them. I'm good or they're good. You need to have this relationship with them. Be consistent about being concerned about them, whether it's anything from their you know mental health to their productivity at work. You're concerned about how they are doing as a person. If you do that, then these conversations tend to happen naturally. And I have seen people enter that conversation the second time I talk to them. I've seen people enter that conversation after a year or never. But I just try to be very consistent and ask those types of open-ended questions to really understand and and have them feel that I do care. After that, it's up to them as to how far they want to take it. I think as an employee, because I'm not a manager in my job, but as an employee, the fact that to have my manager sit down and say or ask, how are you doing, builds for me loyalty to not only my manager, but but my company, because it shows me that my company genuinely cares about my well-being. And that, as an employee, makes me want to invest more in my company Mm -hmm. and my manager because I feel like there's a relationship there. I'm not just a robot. I'm not just a product that's out doing X, Y, Z for you. Like you actually care about how I'm doing. And that makes me, from a loyalty perspective, want to give back to you as well because you care about me. It's like a 50-50 then instead of a 100-0, if that makes sense. Yes. That makes that makes total sense. Oh, you've nailed it. Yeah, you really have. And, you know, I know from some of my own team members, things that they've said is, you know what, allowing me to be flexible with my work schedule, to be a little creative with my day-to-day routine. Mm-hmm. I just feel so much better about being able to get the work done and just find better balance, you know, between work and life. That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. As a manager, it feels wonderful to be able to have that autonomy, to have that conversation with my employee and just say, okay, make it work. You know, as long Mm -hmm. as we're covering X, Y, and Z, yep, make it work. And we'll reconvene next week. Next week might look different, you know, but we'll work it out. To me, that's probably one of the the greatest perks that I have right now in managing my team. And it's, uh, it's, it's so valuable. (laughs) It really is. Yes, I think you're both right on target here. And I would just put an exclamation point behind what you said, Carolyn, and just say that mental health, well-being, engagement is directly tied to that and the relationship with the manager. So it's it's like that good stuff that's happening around that, especially now with the great resignation. You know, you asked what HR managers can do. Just caring about your people <laughs> will go a long mm-hmm. way toward, mm-hmm. you know, of course you can't 100% stop people from leaving, but this will give you a good foundation. And and at least if they do leave, also find out why they're leaving, 
what can you do to improve? It's another good opportunity to get, get feedback. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you guys, when it comes to specifically the standard, what are some of the resources provided at the standard that can help connect or complement one another? Well, we have the R1 list days, which is a big deal. And that's mm-hmm. something that was initiated when the pandemic came, but now they've made it a standard benefit. So going forward, you know, we have these wellness days. Hmm. The other piece is we have our health advocate, we have our employee assistance program, and then we have another program called Spring Health, which provides other wellness benefits as well, too. And I think they're great. I think the gap is, is just truly understanding how they all interconnect with each other and how to maximize the benefit, right? So I think there's mm-hmm. an opportunity there for um, further education, even if it's at the managerial level, for us to be able to translate that over, mm-hmm. you know, that we could move forward on. I think the biggest thing that I've taken away from today that has been so eye-opening for me that I appreciate so much from you guys is there is no one-size-fits-all. Everybody's different. I really like what you said, and I think it was you, Deborah, that. An employee could have a situation one day and the next week they've got other stuff going on in their lives. Like what a great reminder for managers that are listening. There were so many great takeaways from this episode. And I just appreciate you both so much taking the time because I think this is an ongoing issue. I think we're probably going to talk about it again on this podcast (laughs) at some point. And I think it's tremendously important. So thank you both for being available and having this conversation today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. (laughs) You're so welcome, Carolyn. Thank you for having a platform where we can do that. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace. Thanks as well to our guests, Brenda Smith and Deborah Villar, for telling us the importance of keeping things simple creating an open dialogue, and helping employees understand how to access and utilize the employee benefits available to them. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate us and leave a review. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and this has been Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace from The Standard. 